Go ahead and uh, turn to John chapter 14, back in our series in John. Had a good time Wednesday night. Uh, Just to give you a little, for those that weren't here Wednesday night, what we ended up doing, which uh, ah, I think went pretty well, was kind of a time of testimonies interspersed with uh, music. And uh, so we did some Thanksgiving-type singing to the Lord, and just, so it was all about giving thanks, right? We gave thanks, we gave thanks, and it was good. Good to hear uh, what God's been doing in the hearts and lives of people throughout the year. John chapter 14. And I won't read it yet. Hang out there. Uh, I've, I've probably said this before a couple of times. Uh, when I was a little boy, we had a, a small cottage up in the Thousand Islands, up in, on the St. Lawrence. And it was there that I learned to swim and drive a boat and water ski and all that kind of stuff. Best of all, to fish. Uh, that was my favorite. When I got older, I would go out on my own, um, take the boat out, whatever. But I, I think, really, my whole time favorite thing was to go out with my dad. That was our greatest bonding time in our lives, uh, the thing that we did together. And uh, it was there, um, even though much of the time was kind of quiet, um, there were times that my dad sang as he fished. And I learned a lot of songs that I probably never, ever would have heard before. And he didn't sing the whole song, usually just a line or two, um, but it, it just it happened all the time. Songs like, we're going to sink the Bismarck to the bottom of the sea. It's like, where does that come from, right? Um, or, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. <laughs> you know, songs that, again, I would never have heard otherwise. But uh, it was it was fun. It was fun. Now sometimes, especially when I was little, uh, we would go out on the boat. And we'd you know start out earlier in the day, right after breakfast or something, and we'd spend you know a good good part of the day fishing. And sometimes we'd take the boat you know half an hour, forty minutes away to the place that we were going to fish. And uh, of course, it was a time before cell phones and instant weather reports and stuff like that. So you'd you know start out early in the day. It looked nice. Right. And then uh, a few hours later, you could see these dark clouds rolling in. It started to tune up rather quickly up there. And uh, sometimes the water would get pretty rough, especially for a seven, eight, nine year old kid. Right. And uh, I'd get pretty shook sometimes when I'd see the waves and how the boat was, you know, handling on those waves. Um, even. Uh, we had a, a the, the one boat was 26 feet and, uh, you know, so pretty good size, but it, it rocked and rolled sometimes. And I'd get a little scared and I'd say things to my dad like, are we going to be okay? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm scared, dad. And he'd say, oh, come on, we're, we're going to be fine. And somehow when he said that, just knowing who my dad was, Knowing what he could do, of course, he was Superman, right? He could do anything. But when he would say that, it was like he gave me his peace. He had it all under control. He wasn't worried. He wasn't fretted. And when he said, we're going to be fine, he gave me his peace. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at 
in John chapter 14, verse 27. Remember, he's talking to the disciples here, uh, shortly going to be arrested and crucified. He's not going to be with them, right? And in these, some of these last parting words are, are very, very important statements of Jesus. And he says this in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he told them he was going to leave. And he also told them he was going to leave them with something. Not possessions, not money, right? He was going to leave them peace. Think about it this morning. How important is peace? Especially in our world today, right? How important is peace? Back in 1943, after a lot of research with people, the, the noted psychologist Abraham Maslow, if you've heard that name, developed what he called the now famous hierarchy of human needs, uh, which he said provides the motivation for much of our human behavior, having to get these needs met. Right? And he developed it in the form of a pyramid, okay? with the foundation being the most important of the needs as they, as they went up. Uh, so the first tier is, of course, the physiological needs, right? food, water, sleep. You, just, you don't even have to think about that. We need those things to survive, right? But the next tier up, after having the very basics, the next tier up is safety. Security, peace. How much of our time and energy, think about it, goes into helping ourselves feel safe, protected, right? In general health, having positive relationships, financial security. We need that sense of peace. You can tell how important it is by how much time we spend worrying about these things, right? Mm -hmm. So having peace is pretty important. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you, but look at that, my peace I give to you. My peace. What is his peace? Well, I started looking through the Gospels and looking at the life of Jesus. I think we can go all the way back to uh, him being 12 years old in Luke chapter 2. Remember, his family had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover, which they did every year. And when it was over, they headed back to Nazareth, thinking that Jesus was with them. You know, nobody said, have you seen Jesus? You know. So all of a sudden, they're about three days into their journey, and it's like, um, you seen Jesus? I thought you had him. <laughs> How many have had that? Uh, I think it was one of one of our pastors that they, um, they they took off and left one of their kids at church one time. It was us. That was us, huh? So anyway. We both left. That's the problem when we go in different cars. So yes, we left our son, who 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 is very very, very much adjusted now. Um, we left him at church. <laughs> 
didn't remember that was us. I, I thought Lee and April had done the same thing. But anyway, um, so that's what happens when you get to be a pastor. I don't know, something like that. So anyway, here is Mary and Joseph were in good company. Same situation. Have you seen Jesus? I, I haven't seen him. And so they, they come back and they search for him. And they find him finally in the temple sitting among the teachers of the law and actually teaching them a few things, right? And Mary says, and I'll paraphrase, what are you doing? You're going to give us a heart attack, right? That's my paraphrase. But you can imagine moms, come on, you know exactly what Mary was thinking, you know. Joseph probably just, you know, but Mary, ah. So anyway, Jesus reacting to his mom says, he was like, well, didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? I mean, that's kind of an interesting response, right? I mean, he knew what the father's will for him was, and he was doing that, right? It didn't upset this 12-year-old boy that he was three days on his own away from his parents, he wasn't concerned even about where he was going to sleep or whatever. I don't know what he ate. I have no idea what, uh, you know, Scripture doesn't tell us. But he wasn't worried. He wasn't worried that his parents were going to be upset with him. As a matter of fact, it, it, you, you kind of get the inference here that he was so strongly aware of what God's will for him was and he knew his parents were godly, he figured, they thought that, didn't you know? Like, that this is where I was supposed to be, you know? So he says this in, in, in Luke 2.49, and he said to them, why were you looking for me, right? Why? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Like he was genuinely surprised that they, they weren't on the same plan. But that's how Jesus lived his whole life, with that sense of peace, knowing that as long as he was in the will of his father, he had nothing to worry about. He didn't worry in John chapter 6 when after teaching for days in the wilderness, they ran out of food. He just multiplied the loaves and the fishes, didn't he? Right? He didn't worry in Luke 4 when they rejected him in his hometown. And even more when the crowd pressed him to the edge of a cliff and were planning to throw him down. Right? Scripture says he just passed through their midst. I don't know exactly what that means, but they weren't successful. He didn't worry in John chapter 7 when the Pharisees sent guards to arrest him. He would say things like, it's not my time. Right? He knew it was not time for him to be arrested, that this crucifixion was still a ways off, so it didn't bother him. And the guards themselves... If you remember the, the account, they were so amazed at his teaching, they, they were like dumbfounded. Like, I, we can't arrest him, <laughs> right? He didn't worry in John chapter 6 when he told the truth, right? That the huge crowd that had gathered you know, around him wasn't really interested in having a Savior. They were just looking for a free meal because they heard about the loaves and the fish, right? And so he told them that, and they all got mad and left. His whole church... His whole following got up and left. He only had 12 people left. That would shake up this pastor, I'll tell you that. But um, 
not him. He didn't worry. He didn't worry in the garden when they came with swords and clubs to arrest him. He simply gave himself up, didn't he? Jesus walked in peace. He had complete rest in the power, in the character, and in the plans and purposes and promises of his Father. You say, well, he was God. I get that. Yes, but he was also human. Hebrews 2.18 says this, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We may not be able to fully understand, as Kathleen was saying, Kate was saying this morning about him being fully God and fully human. It was, it was miraculous. It doesn't fit our grid, okay? But the fact is, is that in his humanness, Jesus experienced things. You know, physical pain, hunger and thirst, right? Um, emotions, when, um, you know, his, his, his own followers didn't understand things. You know, he, there was that, sense of frustration that he could have given himself into, just walked away from the whole thing, right? Talked about this before when his cousin, uh, John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, right, uh, was beheaded by a lowlife, you know, named Herod, what Jesus could have done, you know. So he experienced things in his humanness so that he could relate to us. And that is so important when you and I suffer temptation or grief or loss or pain, that we know that we can come to him and he understands. He has compassion because he walked in our shoes, right? So he suffered, but not in worry and in fear. Jesus suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane um, because he was deciding to go through the worst physical and spiritual torture that would ever have been. He had to make that decision. There was that, that, that self-preservation thing going on in his humanness. and he, you know, um, It wasn't fear. He knew that's why he was born. He said that. You know, This is why I've come, to give myself. So he didn't fear it, but still, knowing it was coming, he suffered. But he ultimately had so much confidence in the Father that he submitted. And that confidence in his Father was the peace that guided him his whole life. He said, I'm leaving you with that. Not just his disciples that were there, all of his disciples. He says, I'm giving you my peace. That same peace that you've watched me walk in, or for us, read that he walked in, right? It's available to you too. And he says this, not as the world gives do I give to you. What's, what's the peace of this world? The peace of this world is dependent on circumstances, isn't it? Right? When everything's going well, we're at peace. When everything is hunky-dory and we've got control, right, or think we do, then we have peace. When things are out of control and we don't know what to do and we're confused and all this, ah, 
right? All dependent on our circumstances. Or we just shift our mind away from our circumstances for a little while and watch TV and veg out, right? Which just basically pushes it off. But even as Jesus was telling them just a few verses ago, because I live, you will live also. And you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you, telling them now that they too would have the same kind of relationship with the Father so that they could walk in that same confidence, in that same rest, in that same peace. Resting in the power, in the character, in the plans, purposes, and promises of Almighty God, who loved them so much, who was there for them. So that same peace that Jesus had, he was giving to them and to you and to me. Don't you wish it was just automatic? You may be sitting there like me and thinking, okay, he gave this. He made it available from the cross. How come I don't always feel like it? Got to get real, right? Well, where does, where does that, his piece, how did he get it, right? How, how do we appropriate that piece for ourselves? First of all, it's relationship, isn't it? The more you get to know somebody, the more trust you build in them, the more confidence that you have in them. So for us, it's all about our relationship with the Lord, spending time with Him uh, in, in prayer, in His Word. Um, speaking of His Word, number two, revelation. Okay? Um, it comes as we are reading and meditating on that word. Uh, I've talked about this before. You know, faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, and hearing by the word of God. There is, there is a transaction that takes place where it's, it's not just you and I reading a promise and going, boy, that sounds good, and then getting up and walking away. As you and I prayerfully read the scriptures in God's presence, as we meditate on them. Lord, what are you saying to me? And the Holy Spirit steps into that situation. The very real presence of God, our helper that we talked about a couple weeks ago, steps into that situation and says, right, takes, that, takes it off the page and puts it in our hearts, speaks it to us in the depth of our spirit where only he can speak then that word becomes transformative, not just mental assent, not just something that, yeah, it sounds good, I think it, you know, it's reasonable, whatever. It becomes something that is tangible in our hearts and in our lives. It comes by His revelation. It's, it's an action of the Holy Spirit. So relationship, number one. Number two, revelation. And number three, let's call it request. Philippians chapter 4, 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we pray, as we give those circumstances, good, bad, indifferent, as we give them over to the Lord, as we, again, wait in his presence, as we're reading his word, as we're meditating, as we're praying, again, the action of the Holy Spirit, the, him speaking to us, reminding us of the love of the Father, reminding us of those precious promises that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, that he is working all things together for good. So as we are with him, giving those requests, those truths from Scripture override the worry, override the anxiety and the fear, because here it is. He's with me. He's never going to leave me. He's not going to give me up. One way or another, he's ultimately going to work this for my good. And when that, again, revelation comes to my heart, I have peace. Peace that passes understanding. I, I probably could get some testimonies from you guys um, that same that's happened in my life. The world is still spinning. Why am I at peace? Right? It was, it was like um, when, when our first daughter was born. I remember thinking to myself, you know, here we are in our very first apartment as husband and wife. We literally had about two nickels to rub together. And now my wife is pregnant. We're going to have a baby. You know, babies cost more than two nickels. Diapers alone, right, is, is another uh, thing in the budget. And I remember just this, this piece settling on me. I still didn't know, you know, how things were going to work or what, but I just remember, uh, as we talked, just this peace, and it passed the understanding and rested in that for nine months um, or eight and a half or whatever it was. And then um, two weeks before Kate gave birth to Bethany, uh, I had an interview, got another job, practically doubled my salary, and I was able to take my week's vacation that I had saved up when the baby was born and then walked right into the new job. And it was like, there it is. That tangible piece was there eight and a half months earlier. I don't know how it's going to work out, but it was there, right? Passes understanding. So that peace is something that you and I need a lot of in our world today. Omicron, right? Another variant. How bad's it going to be? I don't know, but God didn't slip off the throne, right? My friend Mike used to say, I quote Mike all the time, God's not up in heaven going, oops. He's still very much on the throne. He's still very much there for us, never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. And we can put our hope in him, our trust in him, and rest in that peace. Amen? My peace, Jesus said, I give 
to you. Supernatural peace. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you are good. You are good. You're loving, you're compassionate, you're kind. You, you prove that love beyond a doubt by sending Jesus to us. We celebrate his birth, but, but we know that the birth and the death, you, you can't separate them. Because he was born for that purpose, to give himself, that we might be reconciled to you, that we might know personally your presence, your love, your grace. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow in this thing called peace as we grow in our relationship with you, as we grow in our knowledge of your word, as we grow in our prayer lives, giving things over to you, that you would establish your peace in our hearts each and every day. We thank you for it, Lord. Be glorified in and through us. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>